This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, your Cleveland.com Ohio State podcast. Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, and Doug Maurice. The playoff ranking just came out, so we're going to talk playoffs and the Ohio State Buckeyes, but we're not going to only talk playoffs. Um, but boy, <laughs> we did the post-game podcast after the Michigan State went in the car the other night, and we were we talked playoffs a little bit, and we were like, yeah, we'll see, we'll gotta, and like by two hours later, I had written a thousand word playoff story that a million people read. Because, honestly, part of what happened with the playoffs is that some teams lost. But I honestly think that, I, at least I did, I think I had looked at it a little bit wrong previously yeah. in how far out of it they were. Because it's, like, it's not like 10 teams ahead of them lost. They were number 13 last week. They're number 9 this week. Five teams ahead of them lost. Two of them were in games where one of them had to lose, right? And then yeah. one of them was the team they beat. So there were only so that And also two of the teams that lost are still in front of them. Right. <laughs> so so like it wasn't Armageddon. It was like, oh yeah, you know what? It was more like, huh. They actually weren't out of it to begin with. Weird. So that's where we are. Yeah. So um we'll get into some future quarterback talk. We got some Bill Landis, Emory Jones knowledge to drop on you. Um We'll talk a little bit of Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell. We'll not, we're not sure how much, um, but it is Illinois week, so we're not going to talk much Illinois. We'll get this off the top. We were thinking about, we would have liked to, we wanted to, we planned to have some kind of meet and greet before a game this season with our loyalist, loyal Buckeye Talk listeners. And the forecast for Saturday is not good. It seems like it's going to rain. 100% chance of rain. 100% chance? Yeah. That is a path to rain. So we don't want you to come stand in the rain with us because that would be not very fun for anyone. So we're not going to do this. We didn't do it last week. We thought we'd do it this week. We're not going to. But we're going to do something sometime. Maybe in Indianapolis if they make the Big Ten Championship game. Maybe some other time, some random day in December, we'll go to McDonald's and you guys can come hang out with us. <laughs> uh, who knows what? We would like to do it this weekend. The weather's not going to let us. So we want to hang out with you. And God forbid, if there's actually people out there who want to hang out with us, we want to be there for you. All four of you. But it just can't happen this Saturday because it's going to rain. So we'll get rid of that. Let's talk playoff. Is there anything that surprised anybody about the rankings on Tuesday night with Ohio State ranked number nine and everybody else wherever they were? No, it mostly made sense to me. Um, I thought there was still a chance maybe that someone like TCU might be ahead of Ohio State. I thought certainly was a, there was a chance that USC would be ahead of Ohio State. And I know that's the thing we talked about in the post you did on Tuesday morning, Doug, about watch where USC is. But the more I thought about it, I actually I, I didn't think that USC was going to end up ahead of them. I actually thought, and it turned out to be the case, that the USC would just stand pat at 11. Um 
So no, I don't, honestly, the thing that might have been most surprising to me, and I don't know how much it affects Ohio State, is that Michigan State didn't drop farther. They dropped five spots to seventeen, which I guess is good for Ohio State because I think that means it's going to be pretty hard for Michigan State to drop out. And I thought that they might be on the cusp of doing so after losing that way to Ohio State. So yeah, Michigan State at seventeen, and Michigan is now ranked, and obviously Wisconsin's ranked. So there's a lot of opportunity out there for Ohio State, more so than I thought there'd be. And as someone noted, Penn State uh, beat Rutgers and moved up. Yeah, that okay. That didn't make sense. Okay, yeah, <laughs> maybe that they was just, weird. Maybe they just have a lot of respect for Rutgers in the playoff committee. Three hey, wins. Chris Ash, getting it done, getting the respect of uh, Tyrone Willingham. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that Penn State was ahead of USC. Uh-huh. That's the team in between Ohio State and USC um, was a little surprising. But again, it seems like some good stuff. Michigan moved into the rankings mm-hmm. at number twenty-four. Um, Michigan State higher than expected. Penn State higher than expected. Like it's again some. All you're doing is looking for indications, and the indications would be that they respect the Big Ten. Yeah, and that generally is a good thing. If you are in the end trying to figure out if a two-loss Big Ten champ would get in the playoff. Tim, did, did it go basically as you expected? I think so, outside of a couple small things like Clemson being ahead of Miami after what Miami did to Notre Dame. But I think I mentioned this, at, I believe it was either after Sunday, Saturday, or on our playoff video on Monday that Ohio State needed to get into the top ten as soon as possible to really get themselves a playoff shot. They're there, they're at number nine, and they're right behind two teams that just lost in Georgia and Notre Dame. And the resume is helped a little bit by Penn State being right there at number ten. I, that that was another like little surprise because Penn State really only has that one quality win, and that was against Michigan. And other than that, maybe other than that, Northwestern, they really haven't beaten anybody. And them ahead of USC is pretty interesting. But uh, those are just kind of minor surprises, I think, of what we saw of the committee. The top four was kind of the top four I think everybody expected it to be. So let me ask two specific questions as it relates to the future. And again, on the conference call afterward that I was on with Kirby Hocutt, the conference chair, or the committee chairman, he said one through five were close. He said seven through 11 were close. So he said Ohio State at number nine could have been maybe a couple spots higher, could have been a couple spots lower. So you're talking about um, Georgia being at seven, one lost Georgia. They're not going to be ahead of one lost Georgia. I mean, like, I don't know. He, he says that. And this is also, this is a side note, again, that you have to realize about Kirby Hocutt and the committee. It's a group of 13 people with a wide variety of opinions who changed their mind on a whim from week to week. And one change of one vote can move a team up or down two or three spots because all of a sudden somebody got a wild idea that, you know what, I really do like Penn State. And so we're sitting here and saying, how could Penn State move up? And the reason is because committee member X was just like, ah, I thought they stunk, now I think they're good. Yeah. And then Kirby Hocutt has to come out and explain it. <laughs> and it's reverse engineering. It's like he's not saying what he thinks. And he's not saying what a person thinks. He's trying to explain what a group of 13 people think. And they don't think anything. They thinks. There's <laughs> plural in there. So, And he doesn't get out there and say, well, you know, Tyrone Willingham, he's all caught up in blah, blah, blah. And Gene Smith, he's blah, blah, blah. He just treats it as one giant thought process. And it's not. So he just makes stuff up. The one funny thing he did say on ESPN was that, Tyrone Willingham likes Miami's defense so much he wants to wear the turnover chain. And now I want to see Tyrone Willingham in the turnover chain. Um, 
So two questions, two overriding questions. Number one, we'll start with a closer one. Ohio State is nine. Notre Dame is eight. Ohio State, in the scenario of them having a chance to make the playoff, that includes them beating an undefeated or one good Wisconsin team, even if Wisconsin would lose to Michigan. Um, beating a good Wisconsin team in the Big Ten championship game. Notre Dame does not have a championship game. Is there any possibility in your minds that Notre Dame is one spot ahead of Ohio State right now? The basic question is, should Ohio State fans be worried about Notre Dame? We said, and I was thinking about this, we said, watch USC, right? Well, USC is a two-loss team. Ohio State's a two-loss team. Notre Dame's a two-loss team. Notre Dame beat the bejesus out of USC. So if we were saying, watch USC, should we have also said, and I said, should I have also said, watch Notre Dame? Is there any way Notre Dame could stay ahead of Ohio State if they both went out, or the fact that Notre Dame would not have the extra game, would not have a win that's remaining that is as good? I think they have Stanford left. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be, that's not the same as beating Wisconsin. Would Ohio State 100% definitely pass Notre Dame if they both went out? Yeah, I, I think so. I, the Stanford game is good. They also played Navy. Navy's a decent game. Um, not as good as beating Michigan and Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. And, you know, we could, we could talk about, you know, how important Ohio State needs it for probably Wisconsin to be undefeated more than, you know, if Michigan beats Wisconsin on Saturday. But I think the bottom line is if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, they they at least minimum should be ranked above Notre Dame. I imagine they will, but it's something that probably has to happen. I think it might be a discussion, but I don't think I don't think they'd win the vote. You know, like I could see maybe maybe in the end there'd be like four out of the thirteen people that would rank Notre Dame higher, but I don't I don't think they could win that battle because they say in their bylaws that conference championships matter. And when you're starting to break ties and talk about similar teams, Ohio State with the conference championship and Notre Dame not being in a conference would matter there. So I agree with that. So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing something by not including Notre Dame in the analysis of watch USC, watch Notre Dame, because again, Notre Dame is beat USC. They're better than USC, but they're just not going to have the same chance. The second thing is, and I think this is the a, a dicier thing. It's impossible to know. Listen, I just said Kirby Hocutt's making it up as he goes. So are we. So let's be real. Hmm. Clemson and Miami, both ahead of Oklahoma. Clemson at number two, Miami at number three. Some, some people surprised that Clemson was that high. I think Clemson was number four in our rankings. Yeah. Does that set up a possibility of both ACC teams getting in, assuming we are going to see a Clemson-Miami ACC championship game? Previously, I think it made sense that you would say if Miami went in undefeated and Miami takes its first loss to Clemson in that game, that might be trouble for Ohio State, because now you're talking about Clemson as a one-loss champ, Miami as a one-loss non-champ, both competing against Ohio State for a spot. But with Clemson being all the way up at two, is there a possibility that if Miami wins that game, and Miami is undefeated and obviously in, that Clemson, as a two-loss non-champ, who so far their only loss to Syracuse, the committee is only counting as half a loss. 
because their quarterback was injured that game. They've stated time and time again, that's why Clemson is so high, because their quarterback was hurt in that loss. Are we in a situation where, regardless of the winner, if that's a good competitive ACC championship game where both teams look good, the ACC, regardless of the winner, would have a chance to get both teams in, and that would be detrimental to Ohio State's chances. Yeah, I would be a little nervous about that, I guess. It seems... If Clemson's there is a two-loss non-champ, I guess I'd feel pretty good if I were Ohio State with a Big Ten title about getting in over them. Um, I don't think... Miami plays Virginia and Pitt before the ACC championship game, so their resume is not getting any better than it is right now. Um, so three is probably is like as high as they can be. I, and I guess that works out in Ohio State's favor that they're three and not two. And I know they said there wasn't much separation between the two, but if Miami was two and then got its first loss and then fell back to like four, um, I think that was on the table. Um, but I would be a little nervous about that. I think they like the ACC. Like NC State's still ranked, right? Yep. Um, I think they view the ACC as, as a pretty deep league, kind of on par with the Big Ten. Um, I am curious. We got a question about it. So Miami's down a game. They had a game rained out against yes. like a halfway. It's Arkansas State, and this is going to sound crazy. They were supposed to play at Arkansas State. Arkansas State is five and three, and like if you like looking at S and P and stuff, Arkansas State is twenty fifth in S and P. Like they are a very good group of five team that Miami did not have to play. I'm not saying Miami would have lost that game, but even if that game was competitive, I think that's a black mark on Miami. And I'm wondering in the end, like it's no fault of Miami's that they didn't get to play that game. A hurricane came through and devastated Florida, but it is something to keep in the back of your mind. I think that all that these other teams had the at Arkansas State. That's what it says on the schedule. Really? Yeah. So I think it's just something to keep in mind that I, I don't know. It's going to be really tough to justify penalizing Miami for something like that, but it's on the table that Miami only had to play 11 games and everyone else had to play 12. And I do know the committee is talking about Miami doesn't have a good road win yet. That would have been their. They're not going to get one. That would have been their best road win. Yeah, and it's when you talk about again, we're looking at teams right now, but it's like you're looking ahead. We're talking about how good that Wisconsin win would be for Ohio State at Michigan is going to be a good win. They like Michigan. They got a question about Michigan. Kirby Hocutt got a question about Michigan on the call. They like Michigan. He was talking about Michigan's defense. He's talking that Michigan's Michigan's only losses were to Penn State and Michigan State. Mm-hmm. They like Michigan. Now again, Michigan. Here's I mean, it's one of those things. The two teams that Ohio State has left after Illinois are playing each other this week. So one of them's going to take a loss, whether it's Wisconsin or Michigan. So it's like if if Michigan beats Wisconsin, then it's like whoa! Now that Michigan. So I think you want Michigan to win. Somebody's going to get their resume knocked down a little bit of Ohio State's two opponents. So they're either Michigan or Wisconsin isn't going to look quite as good as they look right now. But if Michigan wins, if Wisconsin loses, Wisconsin's probably still a top ten team. Yeah. And if Michigan loses, it's potentially out of the top twenty five. And yeah. if it wins, then you have a chance to get a road win against like a top fifteen Michigan team. I mean, it's well. Let me ask this. Let me ask this. Do you think it will come down to parsing it that finely? No. Or do you guys think in the end, two lost Big Ten champ, you know, assuming, you know, there's a million scenarios we could drop. Like, listen, if if Alabama goes in number one undefeated to the SEC championship and loses, I think they're still probably going to get in. 
So we don't have to have a 45-minute discussion of whether Ohio State, two-loss Big Ten champ, would beat out one-loss Alabama in that scenario. So I'm, I'm not asking about every specific scenario. But in general, do we need to parse if Wisconsin this, if Michigan that, all these things? Or in the end, should Ohio State fans just feel like two lost Big Ten champs in a pretty good spot? Or is the spot precarious enough that all those little things matter? Where Michigan's ranked? Where Wisconsin's ranked? That's where I think the Clemson being ahead of Miami kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into it because I think we all said on Monday, you know, two lost Big Ten champ is good enough. This says with Clemson being ranked ahead of Miami, you said it's essentially a half loss for Clemson. If Miami wins, you're comparing a two loss Big Ten champ to a one and a half loss non-champ with a lot of quality wins on it on its resume. And that's where I think it's complicated. I mean, we're trying to get inside the heads of a bunch of different people who all, you know, have their own different backgrounds. I mean, we all, in a way, we're, we're in the same capacity as well. We're three different, we're just three guys sitting around talking playoff. We all have three very different, differing opinions, but they're going to be the ones who literally set this. They're the ones who watch all the games. We, we only watch one team's games throughout the season. Um, I, what it says in the rankings, you know, they, there's obvious respect for the big 10 that Ohio state can blow out Michigan state by 45 points and Michigan state only falls five spots to 17. That's a pretty respectable thing. Penn state goes up to 10 after beating Rutgers. Not, that's not the reason they went up to 10, but that's part of that. The fact that they won and they jumped up those spots says something. They respect the big 10, but it comes down to the idea of, the two-loss champ versus the one-loss non-champ, and that's what we talked about on Monday, was Ohio State's been on the other side where they were the one-loss non-champ who got in. The thing, I know they kept talking about beyond like Clemson's loss being a half-loss, only half of a loss. They kept saying Clemson has six wins over teams with winning records. Mm-hmm. How many does Ohio State have? At the curiosity? moment, they have four, and if they win out, they will have six. So it's Michigan State, Penn State, Army. Army and Iowa. And Iowa. No, they lost Iowa. Oh, wait. So they have three. Because okay. Nebraska's the number 500, right? No, Nebraska's not. Yeah, I think they're at, they have three. Yeah, they're at and four. And Maryland's oh, not, right? Maryland's I believe, not. You're yeah, right. Yeah, I believe Nebraska would have to win out just to get the six and six. I mean, they could have, yeah. And if, like, if they count six and six as winning records, like I think Indiana's got four wins and Nebraska's got four wins. So there's opportunity for more. But at the moment, they have three. And it is, it's like one of those things, it's like, and that's the thing I always say, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's a big deal that Michigan got in the top 25, because that means it would be another top 25 win for Ohio State. It's like, well, the committee knows, like, who number 27 is. Yeah. They don't put it on a board, but but it's not like the committee thinks, oh, well, Michigan's not in the 20, top 25. They stink. Beating Michigan at Michigan is worthless now because they're not 24 when they know they were in a discussion and they know they're – so it's a lot of stuff. Again, they have to parse things because they have to talk because you can't just have Reese Davis on TV staring into a camera. Um, So they have to like explain things. But some of it is (laughs) – listen, not some of it. All of it is put in the four teams you want to put in and then reverse engineer explain it how you have to do it when you get on the TV show. And it's not and it's not even want to. It's just what the votes say. So it's like, you know what? Like this is the discussion, you have a discussion, but then they do vote. 
Can you just, I, cause I agree with that, but you're not talking like TV ratings, conspiracy. No, theory, which I, I think hate, it's an important distinction. To no, make. I hate the conspiracy <laughs> thing. I'm talking, you know what we think, for example, we think Clemson and Miami are both awesome. We think it is absolutely true that they're two of the four best teams. And when they played each other in the ACC championship, it was an awesome game. They both looked awesome. We're putting them in. Like, you can do that. Yeah. Now, if, if somebody goes to the ACC championship and somebody wins 59 to nothing, then maybe you change your mind. So then you don't want to do that anymore. But if you think that and you want to do it, you can do it. You can also say, you know what? Ohio State had a lousy day in Iowa. And they got Bakered. And Baker's in. You know what? They're really good. So we're going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to put them in. Yeah. And we just we just think they're better than Miami. We just think it. I don't know why we think it, but that's kind of what everybody's vibe is. And then if Miami had to play in the, in the Big Ten East, they'd have a couple losses, more losses than they do. You know? So you can just do what you need to do. So part of this deal for Ohio State here at the end is just to look like one of the four best teams. You just want to make people want to put you in. Yeah. But they can do I think – Can they do that? I think they can. I think and I think one misconception with all this is that a lot of people are talking about Miami at the moment because Miami just kicked the crap out of Notre Dame and beat Virginia Tech last – or two weeks ago. Um, like Miami almost also lost to North Carolina. And like the committee when they're looking at all this does look at the season in totality – and Ohio State has a really bad loss at Iowa and a pretty lopsided loss to Oklahoma. And then every other game they've been in, they have completely crushed the team they played and won as convincingly as you can win. Other than Penn State. Other than Penn State. But even statistically, they dominated Penn State, I would think. True. I think they can look inside the box score and, and make that argument. Um, that was kind of a fluky game in terms of the score, I think. Um, so I think that works in Ohio. Like, there's not... I think that that just helps Ohio State's bad day argument. Like we're not we're not as bad as we showed we were against Iowa. Whereas Miami, while it looked really good the last two weeks, has more than one game where you thought, oh, I don't know how good this team actually is. Yeah, yeah, but I I also argue that I don't I still don't know if there's enough on that resume right now that says playoff and on whose resume on whose Ohio resume? State's. I would I could argue that I mean. Penn State is the signature win on that resume, no question about it, as long as what they did to Michigan State. But that Iowa loss is an anchor. It's an anchor that every conversation surrounds Ohio State in the next few weeks, even if they blow out uh, – we assume they're going to blow it, Illinois, because they're probably going to. They're well, just to double-check real quick. Illinois, as far as we know, still fielding an NCAA Division One football team as of this podcast. They, Correct. They still have uniforms. They, they still Okay, go continue, Tim. Just want to um, double-check. Okay. <laughs> Assuming they take care of Michigan, which they certainly have the ability to do, then blow Wisconsin again. Every conversation that comes up about Ohio State is like, but they lost at Iowa by 30-plus points and looked awful. I mean, you're going to get in that conversation if it's close. It's going to be up to Ohio State to make sure that that isn't close. Whatever it can do to make that not close is what they're going to have to do. There's Bottom line, they're still going to need help, no question about it. They're not in a position where they can control their own destiny. Far from it. What happened on Saturday was a good start for them. They need more to happen in their favor. But, but, but let, me ask, well, let me ask this, though. As far as controlling your own destiny, Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia – are all in the SEC. So only one's going to come out of that unscathed from where they are now. Okay? 
Mm-hmm. Auburn and I mean Clemson and Miami are going to play each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're nine right now. We sort of dis- we sort of said they'll get past Notre Dame, right? So if we think they'll get past Notre Dame, let's think of Ohio State as eight then right now. So they're eight. You're going to have two of the SEC teams lose. So that's seven. That's six. You're going to have one of the ACC teams lose. That's five. And then if you're in the discussion, you're beating Wisconsin, who's also ahead of you. That's four. So when you say they don't control their own destiny, I know what you're saying. Because we are leaving open, because if Miami Clemson is 35-34, they both look like top four teams, and you both want to put them in, I get that. But, like, outside of, like, I mean, crazy stuff can happen, but I'm not so sure they kind of don't control their own destiny. Because they're nine, we think they're going to get ahead of eight, they're going to beat one team, and three others have to lose. Isn't that kind of controlling your own destiny? It's not win and you're in. It is not win and you're in. But it is win and you're in a really good spot, assuming everybody else who wins does win. We're not taking into account the fact that, I mean, this is the kind of thing that happens all the time. We have all these discussions and then one of these top four teams loses next week to a team nobody sees coming and it throws everything out of whack, right? But... And what I just said, everybody wins what they're supposed to win, but there are teams have to lose. Don't they control their own destiny to reach the point of in a really good spot? Yeah, I keep thinking about one loss Alabama in the SEC championship game. I think that's the only thing that kind of keeps them from truly winning your in. Well, what about if Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl? What happens then? I think if Alabama has one loss and that loss is not in the SEC championship game, that Alabama, I think, gets left out in that scenario. Although that would be Ohio State of a year ago. Didn't even make the championship game and made it with one loss. Yeah, no, that's true. And then, I, that's true. And then if, you look at that, if you look at that, if Alabama were to lose, then all of a sudden you can play the resume game with them and be like, all right, pick the quality wins. I mean, they beat Mississippi State, although they probably should have lost that game. I mean, outside of some... Not smart decisions by Mississippi State towards the end of that game. Um, LSU, we know LSU is not extremely good. Florida State looks has been looking like a very fraudulent win for the most. Save an evil genius. Yeah. Yes. So we, you've talked about that before. And yeah. Florida State doesn't even come into play. Yeah. It's, it's mean, LSU, Mississippi State. So you're putting those two. And Ohio quali- State's two best wins are better. I know they have two losses. And then you would also throw in Wisconsin, which would be three quality wins. So, so here, here's what I think would be the case. Tell me if this is wrong. If Ohio State wins out and the other games where the top teams are playing each other are not upsets, they're in. Like Alabama wins the SEC. Clemson okay? wins. Clemson wins the ACC. Oklahoma wins the Big 12, and now you're down to one loss Miami against two loss Big 10 champion Ohio State for the last spot. Yeah, right? I think Ohio State's in. And I don't even know who would be favored in the Miami Clemson game, 
But if my again, if Miami wins, now you have one and a half loss Clemson versus Ohio State, two loss conference champ. And again, and again, here's the thing. And I know it's kind of a vote, but they do talk about it. Are they so convinced? We've never had a conference get two teams in. I thought they should have had two. I thought the Big Ten should have had two in last year and leave out Washington. Are we sh- the first time they're going to do it? The first time they're going to put in two teams from the same conference is going to be, well, it's Clemson and Miami. We have no choice. It's Clemson and Miami. How could we not put them both in? You can't leave them out. Is yeah. that where we're that's that's uh, and leave out the Big Ten? That's the world we're going to live in. That they're going to live in. Well, that world's going to happen one day. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. We but, just know it's going to happen one. No, day. it is going to happen. But it is it is it going to happen that the way it's going to happen is two ACC teams keep out the Big Ten champ. That's when it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think so. No. So then, so then we're in a situation where if stuff goes as expected and Ohio State wins out, they're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would. It's not a hundred percent winning you're in, but it's pretty close. I would feel very good if I'm an Ohio State fan about winning you're in. I'd rephrase it to win convincingly, and that's the, a good point. At, at the very, very minimum, you are a serious. Discussion, even though they don't incentivize margin of victory, which Kirby Hocutt said again today. But you gotta look good. They incentivize look good. I don't understand why they like they don't incentivize margin of victory, but they certainly take margin of defeat into account when you lose. I think they only say that because they don't want to encourage teams Style to points. run up the score. Yeah, because they they and that's the difference of having humans do it than computers. They can tell when a forty-two to ten win could have been eighty-two to ten. Mm-hmm. And so they don't need you to get to 82 to 10, but they also know – you know what? And I'm sure – actually, I'm sure there's probably a rule on this. They would not take into account like Nick Bosa being ejected from the Iowa game, right? That's different than an injury. No, I think they – Like if know. you want to play the game of, well, it was 17-17 and Ohio State's best defensive player got ejected and then it got away from Ohio State, can you – and I don't think they would have won that game – if Nick Bosa had stayed in the game, but if we want to play the game of good player is not there, but he is there now, can you do that with an ejection, or do you not do it with an ejection because that's part of the game? Whereas an injury is is different. Like you I don't can't know. control you can't control an injury. You can control not getting yourself yeah, ejected for headbutting the quarterback. That's probably the right way to look at it, which makes me say no. They don't take that into account. But I don't know. Like you said. They pick the forward and pull stuff out of their butt to justify it later. So if we're sitting there on December 3rd and they're like, well, Nick Bosa got ejected. It was 17-17. Like, I'll be surprised by that, but I won't, my, my head won't explode. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's where I think, you know, and not being decided by a computer favors Ohio State in this situation because the computer would just look at it like Nick Bosa's ejected. Doesn't matter. This is what happened. You know, they, they wouldn't look at it as like, okay, like – Actually, looking at potentially, should it have even been called a targeting? Because I mean, we we looked at it. Obviously, I mean, targeting is a weird rule. We could talk about this, you know, till we're blue in the face about targeting, but it could be a thing of like those guys have seen a lot of football. They understand momentum shifts, and also 
the next play was when Iowa scored to get that go-ahead touchdown. It would have been fourth down. Iowa would have had to punt the football away. And, and I do know, like, like I bet if it had been a situation like, you know how Denzel Ward was kicked out of the game on a mm-hmm. call that they then said was wrong? Like, that they would take into account. Like, Denzel Ward should and, – and, like, what does take into account mean? It means it's in your freaking brain, dude. Yeah. Like, whatever the bylaw says, when – Tyrone Willingham puts his head on the pillow at night, he would be thinking, Denzel Ward shouldn't have been ejected. And it gets in your head. By the way, I think an underrated part of this whole thing, maybe it's not underrated. Maybe I just missed the stories about it. We are in the midst of the robot revolution. The robots are coming for us. They're taking our jobs. Automation is taking over the world. And the fact that we moved from a computerized ranking system to a human selection committee was striking a blow for the human race in one of the most important facets <laughs> in society, which is sports. So take that, robots. Take that, robots. Humans can tell the deal with Nick Bosa getting ejected. Computers can't tell that. So I would just like to stand up for humans. And if there are any robots listening to this, if there's like a Roomba, like cleaning somebody's floor while this podcast is on. Take that, Roomba. It's a joke, <laughs> robots. We have the robots that can now automate your home. Make sure you lock your doors. Make sure your television's on when you say, Alexa, turn the television on. And I'm sure someone listening, I just activated their echo yeah. by accident, so I apologize for that. Yeah. But I love how we're going in the opposite direction of that, like you said. We're going in the opposite direction of where automation wants to take us. If you love college football, pick up your Alexa right now and throw it out the window. I like my Alexa and I like college football. What am I supposed to Whose do? Whose side are you on, Landis? I don't know. Well, I, I, I remember. Uh, if you're on the side of college football, you are on the side of the human race. But or, sometimes I ask Alexa like for scores to college football games. She helps me out. You know what else you could do? You could call a newspaper and ask somebody who's working there what the score is of a game, and they would tell you. That's true. Except there, there no newspapers don't have employees anymore. Yeah, I forget where I read this, but I thought I read somewhere or heard somewhere that I guess college football, college football is like probably the most sport that's the most pure from analytics. Like there's almost no analytics that go into college football, and maybe that's why it's so chaotic. That analytics have really work their way into all the major professional sports, but college football is the one sport that seems like it's free of all that stuff. Because you know what college football is about? Heart, Alexa. It's about heart. Measure that, Alexa. She, she can measure heart. Okay. Let's um, go to some questions. Are you done yelling at Alexa? <laughs> She's gonna, Alexa's probably going to tell you the, how the dimensions of the human heart in a, at this yes, point seriously. in the podcast. Someday, like I'm gonna like be lying on my floor dying, and Alexa's gonna call an ambulance and save me. So <laughs> no, she won't call. Okay, <sighs> questions. Questions were really good this week. Really good. Who'd they come from? Did the questions come from robots or from humans, Bill Landis? Uh, humans via robots. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. So uh, Buckeye Dell was the one who asked the question about Miami and uh, being down a game. So Dell, I hope we answered that question for you. Um, okay, we're going to jump all over the place. So Ohio State's playing Illinois on Saturday. It's senior day. There's playoff stuff. There's senior day stuff. There's future <laughs> stuff. There's food stuff. Uh, Kenny Stabler. What's up, Kenny? What kind of senior day reception will JT get? Troy Smith level or a more standard cheer? Also, our sweet potato is the worst food of Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. That is, I love the double dips. Yeah. I love the double dips. Um, so I will say of all the senior days that I've covered, Troy, I mean, this is not a was he, opinion. I wasn't covering a team, but he was like when he like did the bullhorn when thing. The bullhorn. The, yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Like, there is something about. There is something about Troy, man. I, I, Troy, I really liked Troy because Troy was not afraid to realize how good he was um, and let it show. And he showed up in big games, other than the national championship game in an outburger. Um, but <laughs> at that moment, that was peak Troy to do that um, on senior day uh, in 2006 for the number one versus number two game. And he did the bullhorns and he, he like wiped his feet or whatever, like he was going to charge. Um, It would be hard. It would be hard to get it to that level. I always think it's, it's so weird. It's like half the time senior day is the Michigan game. Yeah. And then half the time it's not. So if it's Michigan state and you lose, if you were a senior, would you want, your senior day to be the Michigan game or would you want them to be separated? Cause the Michigan game is such a thing in and of itself. Now these guys sort of get like two special games to end the year. Cause they're making the, the Illinois game special, which is a virtually an impossible thing to do. Again, assuming Illinois continues to field an NCAA college football team up through Saturday, we will keep you posted on that. If there are any developments about them not doing that, but would you rather split it up or would you rather have it be the same thing? Split it up. Yeah, I actually I kind of think, you know, senior day against Michigan would mean more because if you think about it, when you're a senior and you're playing Michigan, it's the going to be the most hyped up atmosphere you have for that game. And if you're if you go to Ohio State, what's the one game that everybody talks about? The first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth when they say you played for Ohio State, how did you do how did you do against Michigan? And every senior who plays that game wants wants their last game at home against Michigan to be a win. It's but wouldn't beating Michigan? I feel like beating Michigan on the road would be sweeter. If you were, I think beating like, yes, I think beating Michigan is is the end all be all for a, a lot of these guys. But I don't know. Celebrating in Ann Arbor seems like it'd be fun if I was an Ohio State football player. But um, I I do think probably for a lot of them, like the bit um, playing Michigan in your place is probably as good as it gets too. So they do. I was I, conf- I was confused by this. Greg Schiano said this day they they do not do senior tackle. Before the final home game, they do it before the Michigan game every year. Yes, regardless of whether it's home or away. Yes. Okay, I was. I was. It's a Michigan week tradition because it's the I last. It was a, I thought it was a senior day tradition. No, it is a last regular season game, which is the Michigan game tradition. Okay. So, what was the question? What kind of uh, reception will JT get? I think half a step below Troy, but very, very good. I agree. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, I think it will be, and it should be, because, I mean, JT is not Troy Smith caliber, but I think people by this point should have, like, a fine appreciation of everything he's done. You know, I mean, he's started for four seasons. He's got longevity. He's taken this, put this team in the precipice of the – he led them to the Big Ten title game before he got hurt three years ago, helped them get to the playoff last year. He has them on the doorstep potentially again. And the one year they didn't, they went to the, they went to the Fiesta Bowl and just demolished Notre Dame. So I think he doesn't have the wow factor that guys like Troy Smith and Terrell Pryor and Braxton Miller had. But I think at the end of the day, considering all that he's done, there should be plenty of appreciation for what JT has done. I think he'll get the applause he deserves. So I would recommend this. Um, I'm asking all the seniors this week what their favorite thing is about being an Ohio State football player. 
and I'm going to put it into one giant video, but I'm also putting JT's up separately on our YouTube channel. Um, if you don't subscribe to it, I would suggest you guys go subscribe to it. It's just on YouTube. It's the Cleveland.com Ohio State football YouTube channel. I thought JT's answer on Tuesday night took about a minute and 50 seconds, and it was, like, really sincere. And he was talking about, like, one of his favorite things about being an Ohio State football player was – just like walking in the airport wearing his Ohio State sweatshirt back before anybody even knew who he was, like in 2013, and just somebody giving him an OH in the airport, not because he was a football player, just because he was a person hmm. wearing Ohio State gear. And he just thought like that is such a cool bond and that we know the Ohio State alumni base is so gigantic and the Ohio State fan base is so gigantic. And just he was sort of awed by – having that connection to people sort of like wherever you go. Um, and it was like really sincere. Like it wasn't, you know, it's, it's kind of the kind of thing you would sort of expect somebody to say, but JT is a sincere dude and this was a sincere answer. And so I think if you go watch that video, it, it won't surprise you. That's the JT Barrett that you've known, come to know by now. But I think it would reaffirm that. And I think, 105,000 people on Saturday will want to stand up and cheer, not just the guy with all the records, not just the guy with all these starts and all these wins, but that guy who came from Texas, had no connection to here, but I do think really truly sort of gets that part of it. Um, and I think that's important to a lot of Ohio State football fans. And I think if it's important to you, it's just as important, JT Barrett. Has it in all the senior days you've covered ever been like torrential downpour? I have a terrible memory, but I can't think of one. I was wondering if I would possibly change it at all because of the weather. That would stink. Also, uh, I don't like sweet potatoes, but I like sweet potato fries. Same. Same. Yeah, I'm in that category too. Is that Does that make sense? And I, and I would say I don't like sweet potatoes, but I don't know that I've ever like sat down and just tried to eat like a big heaping helping of sweet potatoes like at Thanksgiving. Oh, you know what? I have like – I've made like sweet potato hash. So I'm lying. I like sweet potatoes. Like chopped up, like cubed sweet potatoes. Yeah. And like a breakfast hash. It's pretty good. I mean, they taste the same, right? What would be different about a fry? Do people say I like French fries, but I don't like mashed potatoes? I would hope not. So if I like sweet potato fries, then should I like sweet potatoes? You would think so. I mean, yeah. I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think they're made any differently. I mean, one has skin, I suppose, and one doesn't, but. One's deep fat fried to a delicious golden brown. That's true. One's a big lump in a bowl. Yeah. Okay. Starchy. Okay. Uh, David McMahon says, how be, how come Greg Studrawa was so involved in the game plan last week? Were they starting to panic a little bit? Urban Meyer said on, I think he said on Monday, and he might have even said it after the Michigan State game, that Greg Studrawa, the offensive line coach, was more involved than he's ever been in offensive game planning um, for the Michigan State game. I don't. I think they were in panic mode because they just got their butt kicked by Iowa. I don't know if getting stud more involved was a sign of that. I just think it was they came out with a plan to run the ball, and the offensive line coach I think just has to be more involved than it sort of by necessity. I don't read anything else more into it than that. I think that involvement went something like this. And I'm going to write a story about this still this week. I asked JT about it on Tuesday night about the run plays – that were actual run plays, that were handed to the tailback run plays, that they don't normally have in the game plan, mm -hmm. right? So I think it went something like this. We have to run the ball. We can't let the defense dictate 
that JT keeps it on all the reads because they're crashing on the running back. So we have to put in some run plays that are straight handoffs, and we have to be able to block that. Hey, Stud, come in here. (laughs) Hey, guys, what do you need? That's good. Stud, we need to run the ball. All right, uh, we'll get some blocking stuff done. (laughs) And that was it. I don't think Greg Stadrawa came in and said, Urban, we got to run it, man. And Urban was like, you know what, Stud? You're right. (laughs) Right? I mean, Urban called him in. Stud didn't kick down the door of Urban's office and say, if we don't run the ball, I'm out of here. But they go back to Bowling Green days. They're pals. And I think Stud, like, Stud has been an offensive coordinator in his past, I believe. He was offensive coordinator at LSU, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But, yeah, I didn't think it was anything more than let's block for the run. Uh, Can we do that? Do we know how to do that? Yeah. yeah. I'll get something together. Like, (laughs) they don't do do it. Right? I mean, like, they don't just hand the ball off. It was like a thing they had to go dig out some plays. I'm not insinuating that, like, they can't do it. Oh, can I drop in a bomb, by the way, that I almost was going to tweet? And I didn't tweet because I thought it was too good. Mm -hmm. Because I like to save it for the people, for the paying customers. Mm -hmm. By the time you listen to this, maybe Chip Kelly will be the head coach at Florida. Oh, yeah. Who do you think Chip Kelly might want to be his offensive coordinator? We got a question about that. Okay, let's go to that question right now. Okay, I got to find it. God damn. Let me see. So, as as of Tuesday night, it's like Twitter rumors. And you know what? I, I'm not going to say that because Twitter rumors, Twitter is just people who don't know anything. So, if it's not being reported by journalists, then it's nothing. Like, I could go on right now and say that, like, uh, Taylor Swift is going out with uh, um, Mario Lopez. And people would say, oh, I saw Twitter. Twitter said Taylor Swift is going out with Mario Lopez. She's on – what's his name? Skeeter? No, what was his name on Saved by the Bell? Mario Lopez on Saved by the Bell. AC Slater. Slater, yeah. not Skeeter. I think you combine Slater and Screech. Hey, Taylor Swift is going out with Slater. Where would you hear that? I heard it on Twitter. From who? From some middle-aged guy sitting in his basement <laughs> smelling his own farts and tweeting about Saved by the Bell? <laughs> so I can't just say I saw on Twitter that there are rumors. But – Clearly, people have been like, there's there's a possibility that Chip Kelly could end up being the head coach of Florida. Okay. If Chip Kelly, this is from Brian Kroenke. He asked a two-part question. First part was, if Chip Kelly goes to Florida, should Ohio State fans worry about losing Ryan Day? Yes. I think so. The only thing, so uh, what was Helfrich? Was Helfrich's OC before he took over? I th- yes. And Helfrich right? is currently unemployed? I wonder if he goes back to the Hellfrish well and tries to get the band back together. I mean, Day was his offensive coordinator with the Eagles, or his, sorry, his quarterback coach with the Eagles and the 49ers. He was, he's never been an offensive coordinator for Chip Kelly, but clearly he knows the offense. Um, but Helfrich has like been in the role and is also unemployed, or at least not employed by a football team. He's employed by Fox. Um, I would be worried about possibly losing Ryan Day. I think it makes more sense that he would hire Helfrich and I also think that if Ryan Day wants to be a head coach, it probably makes more sense for him to stay with Urban Meyer and stay in, what do you call it, Urban Meyer finishing school? But, but so if they uh, – what's Ryan Day make this year? Uh, we can look that up. We have it. So, but let me – so if – so you're Ryan Day. You are the co-coordinator here, but clearly it's Kevin Wilson's deal. You've been getting some praise. You, they've clearly worked in some of your stuff as well. 
you're doing a good job, but it's Kevin Wilson's deal. Kevin Wilson, push comes to shove, calls the plays on Saturdays. Chip Kelly offers you coordinator. No co, no sharing. Come be the coordinator. Come be the quarterback's coach and the coordinator for Chip Kelly at Florida. Come recruit your butt off, do all this stuff. If you're Ryan Day, and plus we'll give you 200000 more than Ohio State's paying you. This year, Ryan Day makes $400,000. Next year, Ryan Day makes $800,000. Are you serious? Yeah. You mean next year when he's a full offensive coordinator because Kevin Wilson's getting a head coach? a two-year deal worth a total of $1.2 million. 400000 this year, 800000 next year. Next year, he is scheduled to be the highest paid assistant. That's quite the escalator. It's weird. Or whoever made that deal is an evil genius who knew that Ryan Day was going to have to go to try to go to Florida because Florida was going to hire Chip Kelly. Would they pay him a million? If Chip, here's the thing: if you're getting Chip Kelly to go to Florida, you're giving him everything. Yeah. And by the way, you know who a hundred percent? If Chip Kelly is going to Florida, you know who he talked to? Urban. Urban. Obviously. Yeah. Because there's a whole facilities thing at Florida. There's a whole. Competing and recruiting in the SEC. Who's They're, Urban's agent? Um, Trace Armstrong. Okay, I, w- I was wondering. Uh, Chip Kelly's agent is David Dunn, and I wasn't sure if that was Urban's agent or not. So, I mean, you got you got Ryan Day off the Chip Kelly tree. We were saying after the Fiesta Bowl last year when they lost to Clemson on the field, we said, "Well, Chip Kelly," because Chip Kelly got fired like that day. He did get fired that day. Will Chip Kelly be the next offensive coordinator at Ohio State? And instead, they got his his they little got, buddy. They got younger Chip Kelly, who literally went to the same high school, same high you school, know, same college. Yeah, yeah. Both high schools, half a mile from the house. They went to Manchester Central High School in Manchester, New Hampshire, half a mile from the house my father grew up in in Manchester, New Hampshire, which I have mentioned to Ryan Day. There is a possibility and I need to double-check this with my family, that my grandmother, my late grandmother, was Ryan Day's lunch lady. It's possible. Because huh. she worked at the high school, and uh, she didn't serve the food, but she was in charge of like dismissing the tables and stuff when she was an old lady. It's kind of weird that Ryan Day is going to make more money than Kevin Wilson next year. Isn't it? It feels like a Wednesday question for Urban. Yeah. Urban, I know you, <laughs> you're completely focused on Illinois. What's with the pay structure of your co-coordinators? <laughs> Can you explain this? Okay, so what what would be your level of concern if you're an Ohio State fan about losing Ryan Day? Um, low, I'll say low, just like, like, like low, moderate, high, or he's gone. Yeah, I'd go between. I'm in between low and moderate, like low, moderate, like not zero. I, I would be. Uh, I, if I had to pick one, I'd say low. Just because I do think Urban Meyer finishing school is a real thing. I didn't know this money thing until you brought it up. Are they really going to pay Ryan Day a million dollars? And I don't know that you'd be in a hurry to get away from Urban Meyer. But I also don't know. I, I haven't. I don't. I don't think I've had a conversation with Ryan Day specifically about Chip. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he loves Chip. I don't know if he thinks of Chip. I mean, Chip. I mean, like, are they like brothers? Is it like older brother, younger brother? I mean, like, Archie Miller had a great job as Thad Mata's top assistant, and he left to go to Arizona when Sean Miller got the Arizona job because he went to work with his brother. Yeah. So if Ryan Day and Chip Kelly are like brothers, nothing else may matter. 
But now I'm making things up. They're like brothers. By the way, showed Step Brothers, the movie Step Brothers, to the 13-year-old and the 10-year-old the other night. Uh, edited or unedited? Unedited. Ooh. How'd that go? Not great. <laughs> a lot of my wife yelling, what are you doing? How, how did you make this decision? There was definitely a part of what I was yelling, they're fake. <laughs> they're plastic. They're fake. It's not even like looking at anything. They're fake. What does it matter? Um, you know what surprised me about that movie on the rewatch is – not a lot of jokes in it. Mm. Most of the jokes are just calling somebody an F word. Yeah. Like not a lot of like set up punchline right. kind of jokes. Yeah. Just a lot of like you're a dirty blank. I think it was just – it's just John C. Riley and Will Ferrell trying to make the other one laugh. Yeah. For two hours. The kid, They like the sleepwalking part when they're sleepwalking and they're knocking stuff over. They thought that was funny. Do they like when they fight the kids? They liked it when they fought the kids. I mean, like, it's my 10-year-old's favorite movie now, which is, like, why DCS, the family services, is going to come visit my house any moment. Um, anyway, so if they're like brothers, sometimes there's nothing you can do. But if they're not like brothers, I think they can probably keep him here. But, but I mean, these offensive guys, they like to call plays, man. Because you know what? Like, the funnest thing. I know Urban Meyer says he likes the motivational stuff and all that. What's the funnest thing to do as a coach? Call oh, plays. It's like real life Madden. Mm-hmm. So if you can not call the plays or you can call the plays, that's quite a difference. So low moderate. Same. I would be in I'd be in that conversation too. It's just a matter of is Florida gonna pony up a million dollars to a guy who's never been an offensive coordinator at either the division one level or the NFL. He was offensive co offensive coordinator at Boston College. Okay, well true. Well, well think. but it's not Florida. It's it's if, if Chip Kelly's going there, he's got total control. And if Chip Kelly said, I want to give a million dollars to a squirrel to be the offensive coordinator, they'd say, okay, Mr. Squirrel, sign the contract. Yeah. Well, isn't that essentially kind of how Ohio State is in some ways? Kevin Wilson essentially running his version of the Urban Meyer offense. It'd be Ryan Day running his version of the Chip Kelly offense. But Ryan Day's offense is the Chip Kelly offense. Yeah. That's the, I mean, it's like he... Everything he does, he learned from Chip Kelly. I think there's probably, and we don't, we're not inside the building. We don't know the exact dynamic between Urban and the offensive play callers. I would imagine there is much more resistance from the top here than there would be working with Chip Kelly because you guys are kind of more on the same wavelength. But I actually don't know. I don't know if Chip Kelly would be would just have his hands all over. The, I mean, is Chip Kelly? I mean, he's the offensive coordinator, so he's going to call the plays. So even if Ryan Day went, he wouldn't be calling plays. Correct. As opposed to Urban doesn't call the plays here. Like he has veto power. And like we've always said, Urban says run it and somebody else says why 58 left toss or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So. I'm low. I'm, you, you talk me down a little bit because I saw that question like, oh, Ryan Day's not going to be here next year. <laughs> you like Ryan Day. You were on Ryan Day early. I think it's the next head coach at Ohio State is either going to be Ryan Day or Matt Campbell. I feel like pretty confident in that. Next question. Sure. Uh, let's see. Clayton Owens said, uh, you guys recently discussed your favorite beverage, but Doug, who doesn't drink, uh, apparently excluded alcohol or excludes alcohol. He says, what is your favorite local beer? And I'm guessing Doug doesn't have an answer to that. Tim, do you have an answer to that? Uh, I'm not a, a massive beer drinker, but I do like the Great Lakes beer if I can get a chance to. I don't, I don't know if they sell it here in Columbus. I do. Yeah, know. they do. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. have to pick that up. I'm, 
I know they've tapped the Christmas ale. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know people love Christmas ale. I think it's too strong, personally, for me. I'm not a, I'm not a strong beer kind of guy. If I drink beer, I'm more of a lager kind of person. Uh, I am a massive beer drinker, and then I am massive and a beer drinker. Um, <laughs> I like a lot of the local beers, and and in Cleveland, I like a lot of the Great Lakes beers, and then in Columbus, um, I'm a big fan of um, Land Grant Brewing Company. I'm a big fan of uh, Zauber Brewing Company. I couldn't pick a favorite. I like beer; it's all good. But uh, Tim doesn't like Christmas ale, which is weird. Next question. Why wouldn't Urban Meyer use Demario McCall on kickoff returns over Mike Weber? Demario is more explosive slash less important. <laughs> they have plans for Demario. They will not play him. I mean, like they've yeah. had a thousand chances to play him. They're clearly not playing him. They dress him in case Paris Campbell and KJ Hill conk their heads together like coconuts and are both out for the game, and they have no H backs, and they would have to play CJ Saunders every snap. They're not playing him. And I don't think it's like a bad sign. I think it's a good sign. Yeah, I think it's because they, they could – I don't know what's going to happen with guys leaving for the draft and stuff like that, but I'm pretty confident they're going to be down at least one H-back next year out of Campbell and Hill. It's possible they both go. I don't think it's crazy. We just put KJ Hill in our leaving guys early. He's we didn't. Leave early, we didn't. I don't think he will, but I mean I, I'm, we're in the place now where I'm not going to be surprised if anyone who's eligible leaves because it just kind of happens here. I do think, especially so. in a world where Noah Brown's a seventh round draft pick. Right. Sorry, I do think Hill's more likely to stay than Campbell. I think sure. Campbell is pretty likely to go. I'd say Hill would be the kind of stick around for one more season. You guys both. So, if you guys want to read this, we did a post on Tuesday. Nine underclassmen that could leave, that could be having their final home game on Saturday as well. All three of us went through each guy and guessed whether they will leave or stay. You guys both said leave for Paris Campbell, mm-hmm. right? I said stay. Yeah. Why do you guys think he'll leave? Uh, I think he has a translatable skill to the NFL as a kick returner. Um, I don't know. It's just, it. it's, I, I think I'm hedging a little bit now on like, cause like if you would ask me last year, I don't think I would have, I don't know what we went through and see how right or wrong we were last year, but I didn't feel very confident in a lot of those picks. I think some of the guys who have left the last few years have surprised me and not because I think they shouldn't go. I think you should go chase the money if that's what you want to do. So I'm kind of just like anyone who's been in the program for four years, if you ask me if they're staying or going, I'm probably almost always going to say they're going to go. And I know that's not a great answer. That's just kind of like where I'm at with the program. I picked Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell to both stay related to each other. Because like, they're like best friends. Because they're best friends. And I – it's not a guarantee, but I think they might be a packet. You know, I think that they might, might both go or might both stay. But I think they could I, – I could definitely see them. The reason I picked themselves to stay is I think Paris has had a solid year, had some games he missed with apparently concussion issues, um, hasn't had quite the breakout year that maybe he expected or some people expected. I think he could do more here mm-hmm. that would raise his stock even more. And Johnny has – it's, it can go both ways on Johnny. He's had such knee problems that basically wiped out his first three years here. You could definitely argue he got healthy enough to play, strike while the iron is hot, go. But also, he just hasn't had that much time to play college football and have fun and make a contribution. And so I could see the two of them saying, like, man, we love this. We love doing this. We love 
plan, plan together. This is fun. Let's not be in a hurry. We're both staying. That's why I picked them both to stay. I can't really see, you know, in the receiver room when only one guy is like done, and that's McLaurin. The, the only he's guy not done, he's a junior. I, I thought it was a, well, it's a fourth year junior. Right. We didn't have him on the list either. Yeah, I don't think well, he's. Going I mean, I, I, I look player. at a receiver room with six guys who are eligible to come back. Not all of them are coming back because I think of receivers as guys who they want to get theirs if they can, and. I'm not sure if any of those guys who are eligible to go, like, not all of them are going to want to stay and split opportunities. They're going to want to try and get theirs and get paid at the next level. And I think, like you said, Bill, Campbell's a guy with an NFL-ready skill and kick return that he'll be a valuable commodity. He'll also be a guy that you can get the ball that you can get the ball to in certain situations as kind of just your jack-of-all-trades guy. If you want to make him a speed back or as a guy who can get bubble screens or slants and get you a quick six, seven yards. He'll never be a deep threat because he can't catch passes that travel further than 15 yards. But Consistently. No. Well, yeah. even in practice, he had one that was dropped about a week or so ago. But Where um, were you watching practice? Where was I when that was happening? Was there any interviews? Like, it was – I forget where exactly where it was. But the point is – I feel like Camel's the most likely to go because he has the most translatable skill. I don't think everybody stays, but I think if anybody's most likely to go, it's Paris Campbell. <coughs> I'd be pretty surprised if Johnny Dixon's here next year. Really? Yeah, I just th- I think if you have a chance to get paid to play football with the problems he's had with his knees, you take it. And I get it, like, maybe you don't get drafted, you go undrafted. I don't know. Unless you think you're going to come back next year and be, like, potential – Second day pick because I don't think he'd be a second day pick this year. Obviously, if you can improve your draft stock that much, maybe you think about it. But the thing I he almost know, lost his he almost lost his career. The thing I think is, unless you think you know what, my like I'm just not going to be able to make money playing football because my knees. I'm they're gonna they're gonna like look at my knees at the combine and I'm gonna like have a trouble with getting through physicals and stuff and yeah. like I don't. This might be as good as it gets, and I'm gonna I'm gonna maximize this. Because I'm finally getting to play and it's really fun, and so I'm going to maximize this because I just don't know if it's going to work out at the next level. Yeah, I guess it's possible too. Although, he, I, as far as I know, he hasn't had any setbacks this year. No, he hasn't, and so. he is explosive with the ball in his hands. Like mm-hmm. he is a, um, I don't know what to compare him to, but it's like, I mean, Johnny Dixon's not going to go be anyone's number one receiver, but I'll tell you what, man, like. There's a lot of guys. Everybody has fourth and fifth receivers, and it's like if your fifth receiver can catch a ball and explode, that's pretty good. And he averages almost a touchdown every other catch. He's right he's in a that, playmaker. He's right in that range. The only reason I think he stays is because he's only done this really for a season. And I'm sure, you know, while he could get drafted fifth round, maybe he thinks if, if he goes back and does this again, he can get up second or third round because he's got – that athletic ability that, you know, most guys just don't have. He was a huge recruit, you know, like Johnny, if he, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, who knows what he could have done here. So he, yeah. he has that, he has that ability. Okay. Uh, visual ambassador. He says, would any of you care to update your selection on whether you rather have JT and JK over McSorley and Saquon? I will not update my selection because I picked JT and JK. I forget who I picked. I you think guys I, both picked McSorley and and Barkley. I would like to change my pick. Yeah, me too. I've. What's weird is like we've said Saquon Barkley is best running back in college football. It's like it's weird how Ohio State shut him down when they met, and 
lately it seems like anytime you watch him, he just has continues to rush for negative carries because he's dancing in the backfield and not able to make a move, and teams trap him for losses. What's happening? His offensive line stinks, and apparently, and you see the stuff about Jonathan Vilman this week, what he's been saying about Penn State's offense. He said he watched the Northwestern game and he watched the Ohio State game, and he said he was watching the ball before it was snapped, and based on back alignment, based on where the running back was aligned and uh, posture of the offensive tackles, he was able to tell what play they were running and to which side. Really? Like Penn State was severely telling what it was going to run on every snap, especially against Northwestern. Really? Yeah. And then James Franklin talked about it at his press conference, whatever, I think it's on Tuesdays. Um, and he he agreed with like the assessment. He also said that if he, if he thought it was a major problem, they wouldn't be averaging 30 points per game, which I guess is a point that's kind of well made. But um, I do think that they are telegraphing in a lot of ways when Saquon's going to get the ball and also their offensive line is just not that good. Yeah. You can have tells against lesser competition, but against the Ohio States and Michigan States, you just can't have that. Yeah. And I guess in the more film you build up, it's like you're, there's more to work with now that later in the year, I guess that would make sense that it shows up. Yeah. Okay. Recruiting question. Ooh, yes. From uh, Jordan Alexis. He said, uh, current state of recruiting with guys like Anthony Cook, Jackson Carmen, and Tyreek Smith. Also, what the heck is going on with Emory Jones? Um, I'll answer the first part first. So, I think Jackson Carmen is going to end up at Ohio State. It's just the vibe that I get. You do? Yes. He was at um, Michigan State game. He was at the Penn State game. He was at the Oklahoma game. Now, granted, it's much easier for him, obviously, to make trips to Ohio State from Fairfield, Ohio, than it is to go to Clemson or USC. And I, he still will go to those places in December and take official visits. And things can change. Um, but I think any time a player voluntarily comes to a game, pays his own way, granted, it's just like a car ride or whatever for him. I, I don't think that can be overlooked. I think in recruiting, oftentimes you follow the visits and he's visiting Ohio State. I think at a greater clip than people would have guessed, considering what happened after the Oklahoma after the Oklahoma game with the Kirk Herbstreit stuff. How big a deal is he? Is he like a must get yeah. for Ohio State? Yes. Like what's he going to be in college? It depends. I think there are, are – criticisms of him that maybe his, his motor is not great, that uh, maybe he didn't approach his senior season as seriously as he had, as he needed to, and is coasting by a little bit on his God given ability in a league that just doesn't have guys that can go up against him. Um, I think Ohio state beats that out of guys a lot. So if he comes here with any, like any bit of that attitude, I think he'll lose it once he gets here. And then once they get him in shape, he's going to be really good. I think he's like potential, like all American. Ta- he's a top ten national prospect at, at offensive tackle. Um, you can't, especially Ohio State, who has serious serious depth concerns at offensive tackle moving forward. Um, you have to have that guy. Okay, and I think they'll get him. Yeah, I think if you're a program like you're like Ohio State, and the number one prospect in your state has to be Musket, you just have to get him. Mm-hmm. I think there are certain sometimes like uh, guys go to Notre Dame. And uh, Ari, when he was here, wrote a story about that, about the Catholic school guy sometimes going to Notre Dame. Outside of that, I don't think it's really excusable for Ohio State to knock at the top. And I remember, and I don't follow the recruiting as closely as I used to back when I was just doing it all by myself. But whatever year it was, I can't even remember anymore. It was like in two consecutive years, Jordan Hicks went to Texas and Trey DePriest went to Alabama. And I was like apoplectic. Where was Jordan Hicks from? 
Dayton-ish. I think they both priest were Dayton-ish. Was, was, and that's like the priest was like where Braxton. Was. Jackson Carmen is Dayton-ish. I guess he's more Cincinnati than he is Dayton. Yeah, they're all all three were kind of in that same area. I think okay. all in that Southwest area. Not that I'm. I know there's been a lot of suffering about like disconnect between Ohio State and Southwest Ohio. I think that's a little overblown at the at the moment. Um, I would feel okay about Jackson Carmen being in the 2018 class. Um, Anthony Cook, I would not. I think Anthony Cook is probably going to end up going to Texas. He was supposed to commit on October 30th. He pushed that back because he said he just didn't know where he wanted to go. And I think Ohio State for a long time was the front runner. And then when it goes from being the front runner to I don't know where I'm going to go, I wouldn't feel good if I was the former front runner. Um, and then I think Tyreek Smith is going to end up going to Penn State, um, which is a loss for Ohio State because he's a really good Ohio player. He's also not from Ohio, which I think in the end will be important to remember. He's from California. I, I, he has, I think he's been in Ohio for like three or four years. He's not like a, a born Buckeye who dreamt of nothing but playing for Ohio State <coughs> since he was a child. He's a West Coast kid who had a very national recruitment. So I think in the uh, he could still end up at Ohio State, but he won't be to guess. I think he's going to have a Penn State. And that matters because we, we say all the time, most, not, not most, at least a good chunk of the time when you look at Ohio State's national recruits, a lot of times if you dig around at all, you find an Ohio connection. Someone's grandma's from Ohio. Tate Martell's grandfather went to Ohio State. Yeah, you know, a, a, or there or a Midwest connection at the very least, or that somebody liked Ohio State. But a lot of times, it's that my actually my family's from Columbus, and we just moved here when I was three. Mm-hmm. And so, just that, like when you look for those connections, and those explain sometimes how they get kids from Texas and Georgia. It's important to realize that with the Ohio kids. There's a difference. Just because you went to high school in Ohio, there's a difference between somebody who grew up watching Ohio State every Saturday in Scarlet and Gray from the time they were three and somebody who moved here in eighth grade and is just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. It's uh, different. And I will say, like, Tyreek Smith is not announcing until January 4th, I think it is, at the Under, Under Armour game. So there's a lot of time, obviously, between now and then, but it, it does feel like um, Ohio State's playing catch-up a little bit in his recruitment. Okay, Emory Jones question. He says, what the heck is going on with Emory Jones? I don't know. Um, I think it's it's a really weird spot that Ohio State's in, and it, it's, it's I guess, to a certain extent, something you have to be willing to accept when you try to recruit quarterbacks from outside of your home state, particularly ones that are in the south and in Georgia and very close to the Alabama border. Um, Emory Jones is still committed to Ohio State. He has visited Alabama multiple times, more than he's visited Ohio State since he committed to Ohio State. Um, He just visited Auburn. He's putting Ohio State in a tough spot because Urban Meyer is not going to go through a recruiting class without getting a quarterback. Which, he, you asked him about that the other day. He was strong on that. Yes. Um, And I don't, I I wasn't sure how to read that. Here's the thing I don't think is going to happen. I don't think they're going to walk away from Emory Jones. Uh, they offered him a scholarship. They accepted his commitment. They identified Emory Jones as, as their quarterback in this class. And I think that Emory Jones is entitled to look around. People might take exception with that, but he's making a very important decision, and he has to make sure it's the right one. Um, so if he wants to go look at Alabama a lot and look at Auburn and, and go through the process and enjoy it, I think that's his right to do so. And Ohio State <clears throat> accepted a commitment from a kid in Georgia, a very high-profile quarterback in Georgia, and this is the this is the world you live in when you do that. Um but I don't know how it's going to end for Ohio State. They've offered Jaron Williams, quarterback from another quarterback from Georgia, who was committed to Kentucky and decommitted this week after visiting Miami. They've offered um, Matthew Baldwin, a quarterback from Austin, Texas, who's committed to Colorado State. 
and they are involved with Adrian Martinez, a quarterback from California, who is currently committed to Tennessee and remains so even after Butch Jones got fired. Does Tennessee still have a football team also, by the way? They do, yeah. Apparently they're going to hire John Gruden because a 500 record in the NFL means you get to run a program in college. I wonder how much – the Martinez thing is something I'd be interested to watch because as I wrote about in the breakfast on Monday, apparently Butch Jones has tell, called the recruits to tell them, you might, you might want to look elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, – I have not talked to Adrian Martinez um, – but some of the things I've read about him, he, he's and he could decommit to, on Wednesday when you're listening to this. But it seems like he might wait around and keep a spot at Tennessee to see who they hire. And I think there are a couple of Tennessee commits who are in that position. Um, and I think it makes sense to do that. Tennessee is going to make a decision sometime soon. And you want to make sure if that's where you want to end up going, you keep your spot locked up. Um, I would pay attention to Matthew Baldwin, the Colorado State commit, who I think is not going to enroll early. I think he's going to take it to February. And Urban Meyer talked on Monday about keeping a guy on the back burner. As those are his words. Keeping a guy on the back burner who you can flip late is like verbatim what he said. And he you, said, We freaked out that he said the word flip. Yes. And he said it's more difficult in an age with the early signing period and players wanting to early enroll more than ever. I don't think that applies to Matthew Baldwin, a three star quarterback from Austin, Texas, Lake Travis, Drew Brees' high school. Um, if there is going to be a quarterback change in the class, he would be the one I, I would keep an eye on. Because I, I think Jaron Williams is probably going to end up on Miami now based on timing. They have not offered Martinez. They very well could, but they have not offered him yet. Um, so I think plan A is to keep Emory Jones if they can, and then plan B might be Matthew Baldwin down the line. Now, Urban did say he'd be open to two in this class, right? Yeah, and they probably in in some ways need to. I think you need four scholarship quarterbacks. And it's very possible the way the roster is set up right now, just assuming one of them is going to transfer, one of one of Haskins, Martell, and Burrow is going to transfer because they all want to play. Um, you don't want to go into fall 2018 with three scholarship quarterbacks. I think you want four on your roster at all times if you can have it. So I think it would make sense for Ohio State to take two. Spots are really tight. They have 18 commitments, and I don't know if they can take 25. They might only take 24. And there's some offensive line holes that need to be filled and some defensive end holes that need to be filled and a receiver hole. So the spots might not be there to take two, but I would not be surprised if they end up taking two in this class. When he said that they'd take two, this is what I interpreted that as. If, you, if you're if you so iffy on Emory that you end up taking somebody else, like say Jaron Williams wants to go and you could get him and you just take him now, and then if Emory wants to – if Emory takes it down to signing day or something and takes it really late, and then the end decides on Ohio State, of course, that mm-hmm. the, t- the only way you take two is if One you take someone Jones. before Emory Jones and then you leave open the possibility that Emory Jones could still come. And if he says, yeah, I still want to come, of course you take him. Yeah. I, you don't take Emory Jones and then take somebody else also. I think you could. I think you still could. Um, it'd be a difficult conversation, I think, but I think that's not totally impossible. But yeah, the most likely thing is take one and then hold on to Emory in the end. The one thing is, I mean, and I understand what you're saying about somebody could transfer, but I think part of the reason you have four is because somebody could transfer. So like, for instance, if they had one in the 18 class, whoever it is, Uh and then you say Joe Burrow transfers after spring. So you get one in the 18 class. That's Haskins, Martell, Burrow, new recruit. Mm-hmm. That's your four. And you say, okay, we're okay with four. And then Burrow transfers. 
Now you're down to three. But none of Haskins or Martell or the other guy are on track to graduate. So then you get one in 19 and you're back up to four. I don't know that you're panicked. I don't think you necessarily say you need four because you think you need four healthy quarterbacks in the fall. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're probably right. Because they didn't have – did they have four last year? They had four last year. They had Barrett, Haskins, uh, Burrow, and Stephen Collier. And it's one of those things. I mean, it's like it's the whole thing of like, when are you going to need four quarterbacks? It's like, well, the year that they were going to play Jalen Marshall at quarterback if Cardale Jones got hurt because they didn't want to play Stephen Collier. So it's like, yeah, I get it. They've lived it about as much as anybody could live it. Um, But, yeah, okay. So you think – so if we're betting right now, and I I have no thing to say so you guys can say. What is your percent chance that Emory Jones signed with Ohio State? Uh, like 60, 60-ish, I think. Not not great, but I think I think probably a little better than people are, are thinking it is right now. It's weird to me that he hasn't decommitted yet, and I don't think like he's doing anything nefarious and trying to screw over Ohio State. I think he likes Ohio State, he likes Urban, he likes Ryan Day, he tweets a lot about Ohio State. He wore an Ohio State bandana to like his playoff game the other day, like a week or so ago. Um, I just think he's trying to figure out what the, what the best thing for him is while staying committed to Ohio State. So the fact that he's still committed to me is a good sign. So I'll say like 60, 64% chance that he ends up at Ohio State. I'm thinking about 57, and I do, <laughs> I do think it's kind of interesting. You know, all this talk has been going on for a month. He's still committed. You know, it would have been one thing if he had committed almost as soon as he took that visit to Alabama. Which people thought was possible. Exactly. And that hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it's a thing of he's he's keeping that there, but he's just keeping all his bases covered just in case or whatever for whatever reason. But, I mean, the fact that he's still committed is going to be a Captain Obvious thing, but the fact that he's still committed is nothing but a good sign for Ohio State. It, the longer this goes on, and the fact that he's still committed to Ohio State, in spite of all the noise, it's it's bizarre, but it's also just recruiting. It, anytime, I, I almost think anytime something bizarre happens, I'm like, oh, that's just recruiting, because bizarre is like something that happens 50 times a year in the recruiting cycle. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. So there was a time when Penn State and Ohio State had the two best quarterbacks in Georgia committed to them. Huh? Um, and then Justin. No, no, no. Uh, two, two of the best. Two, two of the best. Three. Yeah. And then Justin Fields, who's like the number one player in the country, mm-hmm. decommitted from Penn State like two months ago, yeah. right? And I now he's committed to Georgia. That. Yeah. What's better? Like, is that better for Penn State that, you know what? They had him, and then as soon as he got iffy, he just decommitted and they lost him and they moved on. Or is this better of like, well, you keep the kid on the hook and maybe – like what would you rather have? I mean obviously you'd rather get the guy, right? But yeah. would you rather have a clean break and know that you're moving on and focus on your next guy? Or would you rather sort of have your top guy sort of it strings you along and maybe you lose another guy? Because let's say if Amory Jones just decommitted and committed to Bama, They'd be said they they'd be all in on Jaron Williams right now, and then Jaron Williams, who decommitted from Kentucky on a Miami visit, maybe he would have been at Ohio State instead of Miami because they were putting the full court press on him, right? Like, what's yeah, better, be strung possible. along and keep your hope alive, or have the clean break and say we're moving on? 
Uh, I think I would rather be strung along if I'm Ohio State because I would trust Urban Meyer's closing ability. Um, James Franklin's, I think, remains to be seen. Um, I think he was probably, in some ways, recruiting above uh, above his status a little bit or above Penn State status a little bit, trying to like basically get Cam Newton to come from Georgia to come play at Penn State. Um, Urban Meyer has a more proven track record of of flipping guys late, um, keeping guys who are getting pulled in different directions from other programs. So I would I would rather be in the fight if I'm Ohio State, especially a quarterback. Yeah, and if you get strong line, you still have a good possibility of getting the guy that you always wanted. As a and in case you don't, you still have you know your plan B kind of waiting there, like just in case, like the break glass in case of emergency thing. Um, just in case that happens, you have your plan B ready to go. Hopefully, ready to go. If you if you're Urban Meyer, you know you have something kind of waiting there just in case. Whereas if you have a clean break, then all of a sudden you have to maybe scramble or you have to like take steps back and go at, try and maybe get guys that are a step down from who you want in hopes of finding a guy, hopes of finding a diamond in the rough. The other thing, the thing I think that makes people nervous is Deshaun Watson. That's exactly what I was going to talk because we did a whole series about based on this basically. And I wasn't covering Ohio State when they were recruiting Deshaun Watson, and I'm but I'm pretty familiar. And like he was never a commit. They got pretty far down the road with him. They went all in on Deshaun Watson, and then he picked Clemson and Ohio State. Like, got kind of screwed. They tried to get, like, Brandon Harris, who went to LSU. They tried to get Kyle Allen, who went to Texas A&M. They tried to get the kid who went to Kentucky. Like, they kept whiffing on guys. Drew Barker. Drew Barker. They didn't try to get him, but they were in on him. They they, they had had so many guys that they ended up missing out on. That's how they ended up with Collier. And And I think it was fine. It's one of those things. It's like, oh, my God, we need a quarterback in every class. And it's like, well. No, you don't, because you actually need one like every three years. Yeah. But I know what Urban's saying. Um, but it's not like getting Deshaun – missing on Deshaun Watson didn't kill them or anything. Right. But it did kill them in that recruiting cycle because they missed out on a bunch of other guys they could have had because they were chasing Deshaun Watson for so long. Yeah. But as it turned out, it's like, well, I don't know. That was – the point of would you rather be strung along – and again, he was never committed here – but it's like, well, would you rather string along and chase Deshaun Watson than miss out on Brandon Harris and Kyle Allen? Or would you rather cut ties with Deshaun Watson and get Brandon Harris? It's like, well, Brandon Harris left LSU and never did anything yeah. by now, right? He's, He's at North Carolina, North Carolina, right? Carolina, yeah. It's like, yeah. Do anything you can for as long as possible to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So let's not compare Emory Jones to like the best college player of the last <laughs> 10 years. But – yeah, I guess that makes sense. Do anything you can to keep Emory Jones, and if you can't, figure it out. Yeah. Okay, next question. We'll do a few more. Shelby Goldman, can the Buckeyes af- – I think it's worded, quit- it's worded strangely. So I think he sent this after I did a thing. We're doing a series on the seniors, um, which is like basically like an appreciation of how good these guys are, what they've done in their career, and then who on the roster is next at their position to replace them. And I did one on Tuesday morning about Tyquan Lewis and Chase Young. And then Shelby Goldman came through with a question that said, can the Buckeyes not afford to give Chase Young more reps? Right now? Right now. I think that was proven. Like, he didn't play against Penn State, right? Not much. I don't think so. I don't think he did. I mean, like, when it got got nitty-gritty, he didn't play. They didn't – I mean – they played their best guys, it's, and it's not about Chase Young. It's just not wanting to take a snap away from the other four guys. And it's mm-hmm. the same, you know. It's not. 
Everybody would say the same thing. If he was somewhere else, he'd be playing. He just happens to be at a place that has four really good defensive ends. And when it's a really tough situation, no matter how good Chase Young is, you just don't want to take Bosa, Hubbard, Lewis, or Holmes off the field to put him in. So it's it's not about him. It's about the other guys, and I completely get it. Yeah, so do I. It makes, I, don't, it makes, I don't know, Tim, do you think he should be playing more, or does it make sense to you that he's, that he's in this role? To me, he's already played more than I thought he would. You didn't think he played at all. No, yeah. I, because of the same thing. I thought it would be yeah. so extreme. It's like we can't give one snap away to him the whole year. I mean, he's a, he is clearly ahead of like, – he's been in the mix, and at times when the game is not out of hand, he is ahead of like Jonathan Cooper on a depth chart. That's clear. Like he's the, He is the fifth defensive end. It's just the top four are really good. Do you think he should play more, Tim? Uh, I think where he's at is good. Like you said, it's not so much about him. I mean, he could he could be Jadavian Clowney for all we know. There's four established guys in front of him. No freshman is going to play in front of four established guys who have track records of success at the college level. And there's just not enough snaps to go around. There's only so many snaps in a football game, unless five defensive ends. But you're also not going. You also can't really do that in this era of college football. That's spread. You need as many. They have they have a formation with five defensive linemen. Just take out Draymond and put in Chase Young. Take out the other NFL guy and put in Chase Young. <laughs> Too many good players. Yeah. Take out the twentieth pick and put in the future number three pick potentially. Yeah. Future number one pick, according to... If Jalen Holmes thinks that Chase Young is a future number one pick, then Jalen Holmes should give some snaps to Chase Young. You know what I was going to tweet before the game last week, and I didn't, when they were trying to figure out the linebacker stuff? I was wondering if they are going to play Hubbard like as a true outside linebacker on some snaps. Wow, that would have been awesome. Like, just like, the heck with it. Like, what's this formation? Well, this formation is like, tough Borland in the middle... Chris Worley at one outside linebacker and Sam, Sam Hubbard, Hubbard at the yeah. other outside linebacker. And he's just playing outside linebacker. But they're not at that point. But I, I thought – because he did – he stood up a couple snaps. But it wasn't close to that. But I, I thought if the if it got really hairy, you could go down that road. <laughs> okay, Doug DeLillo bought the heat again this week. Um, did I say bought, brought? Um, he might have bought the heat too. Um <laughs> He asked this question because he thinks it won't get answered next week, but Thanksgiving week being Michigan week. He says, is turkey one of the more overrated things we eat on turkey day? Yes. I think so. I'm, the turkey is the thing I'm least excited about at Thanksgiving day. Really? Yeah. I also don't know why we don't eat turkey on other days because I do like turkey. It's weird to me that we only eat it one day a year, but I'm much more there for the stuffing and or the dressing, whatever you call it. Um, I'm a big fan of cranberry sauce. I'll take a bath in gravy. Like, um, yeah, the, the turkey's great. Don't get me wrong, but it is, it's probably like fourth or fifth on the list of things I'm excited about. Unless I get to eat the turkey leg. The idea that mm. turkey can be overrated on what you just said was turkey day. Like, you're not going to call it stuffing day or yeah. cranberry sauce day. It's, it's not stuffing it's day. It's called turkey day. I'll call It's actually called Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, the alternate name. No one calls it mashed potatoes and gravy day. <laughs> Yeah. We can that would it. be great. Let's just make like April 17th, mashed potatoes and gravy day. That would yeah. be a great day. So you're in on the turkey, Bielik. Yeah. Tur- I mean, it's the signature food of Thanksgiving. Like, it's when you say Thanksgiving, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Smallpox and blankets. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, other than you, I mean, Doug, first thing that pops in your head, you think it's of your people, though. Yeah, it's my people. Yeah. <laughs> The first thing that pops in most people's heads when you say Thanksgiving is turkey. 
it can't be overrated when it's literally the thing that is most looked forward to on Thanksgiving. It's the thing that people spend some people spend hours preparing. Yeah. Listen, for real. If you sat down at the Thanksgiving table uh-huh. and there was no turkey, would you be okay? Huh? Tim, would you be okay with that? I'd be pretty bummed. I would not I would not be okay with that. I my, would my grandmother makes a nice usually makes a nice ham too. So there's there's there's, there's protein in the mix. Uh-huh. And I like I like the ham with the turkey gravy. Is that weird? That is a little weird actually. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. You know why you like ham with turkey gravy? Because you like turkey. I don't say, I'm you not just saying take I the dis- ham and you make it taste like turkey. I'm not saying I dislike turkey, but I do think that it is a little overrated. I just think it's like, I don't know. I also think it's really hard to like season and make taste good. Maybe my grandmother's just a bad cook. Wow. I hope she's not listening. She's not. She doesn't know how to work uh, electronic things. I do. It is. The thing you said too, though, it is interesting that, that like nobody, I mean, I literally don't, right? When, I eat turkey twice a year. I mean, I eat like turkey lunch meat for sandwiches, but like, yeah. But tur- that's not the same. I know it's not. Yeah. It's not, that's not even real meat. But I guess uh, the whole point is because you have to make a whole turkey. And so it's like usually you have like a big gathering of people and so a whole turkey is worth it. I know you can make a smaller turkey breast, but like yeah. that's just like why don't you eat it? It's like, well, because most of the time you and your family of like two or three or four or five or six people don't sit down and eat a 23-pound animal for dinner. Yeah. That's why you don't have turkey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you guys pro or against pumpkin pie? This is still Doug DeLillo's question. It's a three-parter. This is part two. How about pumpkin pie? How about – is that a question mark at the end of that? Or is it more like, how about pumpkin pie? Well, he says, like, is turkey overrated? And then it's how about pumpkin pie. I don't uh, know if he's asking if pumpkin pie is overrated or he's just asking in general. Like, give it up for pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. I don't know if I've ever had an actual slice of pumpkin pie. I did have a McDonald's the other day, though, pumpkin pie. Are you a pumpkin pie man, Tim? Uh, not really. My aunt does make, like, what's called a Toll House pie, which is, like – you take Toll House cookie dough and put it in a pie crust. Yeah, now we're talking. And you get like a nice crust, which I know you guys are crust people. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. With like, well, I am a crust person. <laughs> yeah. Well, with, I mean, with like chocolate chip cookie dough in there, right? So okay. you yeah. get the best of both worlds. But then what's, but then what's in it? the pie? Not pumpkin. Do you is just pumpkin like, in the pie? I no. mean, is the what's the filling of the pie? Well, the crust is chocolate chip cookies. No, no, I think the crust is just like your regular crust, but the filling is the chocolate chip cookie oh. dough that you make, and then you have the melted chocolate chips but, in there. But a baked, but baked cookie dough is just a cookie. But it's a cookie pie. You've had a cookie pie. It's though. a cookie pie. Yeah. But why is the crust? Of, I don't understand. I mean, so, whatever. I'm sure. I thought right. you I misinterpreted. I'm not complaining about crust. I'm just like I've so. Had... It's, it's a cookie with crust. So there's regular <laughs> crust. And then there's cookie in it. It's not that the cookie is the crust. It's there's a separate crust, and then you put the cookie dough in. Is that what you're saying? I believe so. I mean, I could be wrong. The crust could also be cookie, which would <laughs> so be a like, cookie which would be like a crunchier cookie. cookie bit, yes. with like a chewier cookie bit, which that actually would be good. Best of all, that actually sounds really good. Yeah. So okay. let's talk crust. Are we still while we're talking pie, okay. pumpkin pie? Okay. Because we can get to his third part then in a second. Uh-huh. The McDonald's pie. We were at McDonald's the other day, and they came around with free pot pies. They said the like pies, 40 pies had just expired. <laughs> they were like, eat these pies. They're free. So I took two. How many did you take? Two. She wanted us to take ten. Yeah. And then they were pumpkin pies. It was like <laughs> – it was no pumpkin pie part of it. It was pumpkin-flavored paste. Yeah. <laughs> and cream cheese. Uh-huh. And then 
the the beauty of the McDonald's pie is the wraparound crust. Because now I want thinking about the McDonald's pie, which I've always appreciated for its crust. I want all pies to have a lid, a crust lid, so that you get the full crust experience. Because to me, the best part of the pie is the crust. So I want to maximize the crust. A McDonald's pie is all crust. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't even care what's inside. It's just a, a a glaze for the crust. So this pumpkin pie thing was the best pumpkin pie thing I ever ate because yep. there was no pumpkin of it. It was just a little bit of a sh- of sugar with all this crust. But why don't real pies have lids? Have a crust? Some do. Like an apple I guess pie like an does. apple pie does. But I don't. But, but like a like a pumpkin I want like pie a doesn't sugar. Yeah, like a, a lemon pumpkin meringue pie. pie doesn't. If I ate a pumpkin pie that had a lid. I'd feel better about it. Yeah, yeah I, see what you're I, I do see the fruit pie with obviously the fully baked fruit pie obviously has a lid. I'm acting like pies. No one ever thought of that before. <laughs> but like a pumpkin pie with that, that would make me want to eat pumpkin pie if it had a crust lid on it. Like if you can't, so in essence, you're just asking to not know what you're actually eating. You just want to see the crust and then. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to risk. And now we're going back to the original, to the to the number one topic of Buckeye Talk podcast. I don't want to risk that bite of pie, that crustless bite of pie, which is like eating the center slice. Yeah, yeah, I buy that. The crustless, <laughs> I don't want crustless anything. You can't risk it. So when it's all crust, that McDonald's pie, nothing but crust, baby. It was really good. It was really good. And I, they used to be better when they were fried. Now they're baked, but they're still pretty good. Tim, you're in on McDonald's pie or no? I've honestly never had McDonald's pie. Let's go to McDonald's right now. Okay, final part of the question. <laughs> Third part of Doug DeLillo's uh, Thanksgiving question. Which Thanksgiving dish is the best and what is the worst? I don't like corn, so corn's worse for me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on corn. I I don't know if I have a best. I think cranberry sauce is kind of underrated. I love cranberry sauce. You know, I feel like... Do you like so? There's like cranberry sauce where like someone actually buys whole cranberries and then like kind of matches them up themselves, and then there's like the cranberry sauce that comes in the can. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, my it's aunt- like it's like gelatinous kind of. Yeah. yeah. Which one of those do you prefer? I think I've only ever seen the canned stuff. My aunt usually gets it. It's it kind of is in a can format. Yeah, like it comes out and it looks like, like it, the, the lines from the can are still on it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. why. I, like. I mean, it's still good. I think it's good both ways. The can one is better. I think. To me, I think crushing up whole cranberries is for uh, hoity-toity rich people, and I'm not about that. Yeah. You like the gelatinous? Th- th- yeah, that almost yeah. sounds like two steps away from cranberry juice. Which yeah, is, which is different yeah. from cranberry. It's like sauce. cranberry juice with pulp. Yeah. No, thank you. I have a thing that I eat that we call it uh, my corn because I'm the only person in my household of four that eats it because it's what I ate when I was a kid in Pennsylvania. It's like a Pennsylvania Dutch kind of. It's dried corn. It comes in a box. It's a box of corn. And then when you make it, you either make it with milk or with water. And you just like soak it on the stovetop for like hours. And it's almost like um, it's like dehydrated corn or whatever. Like okay. they suck the, And then you put the, the water back in it. And then, but it's a very seasoned. It's like my, my uh, wife calls it tortured corn. <laughs> Because she's from Iowa, and she thinks you take this glorious, beautiful corn, and what have you done to it? But I love it. If you guys ever want to eat dried corn on Thanksgiving, is it like uh, I only eat it? I only eat it once a year, 
at Thanksgiving. I'm trying to imagine the concept of dried corn because that it's, I mean ugh. all I've ever, the only corns I've ever seen are like you know corn on the cob or you know like corn where it's like you know boiled it's like steamed it's yeah like it's yellow this is like brown corn it's it doesn't make any sense but it's like the flavors and stuff and like the seasoning they have in it it's so good I anyway. can't I just can't picture it because I've never seen it I'll before. make it for you guys I'll make it for you guys okay okay so I think we want to wrap up soon am I am I right there you are right okay yeah. So let's do uh, quickly another question from Delillo, and I'm sorry. There's a lot of people ask questions. We're not going to get them all, but Delillo asked this, and it was really good. If you had to make a bet today on either Ohio State football making the playoff or Ohio State <coughs> basketball making the NCAA tournament, what would you bet on? Football team. Is that a good question? Who would say basketball other than Dan Dockich? <laughs> Dan Dockich is hilarious. Uh, I might. Yeah, I guess that's not the good. Are you buying that? Are you buying the Holtman era? You picked them to finish eleventh in the Big Ten. Now you're in for the tournament. Are they gonna- I picked them to win eighteen games, and if they win like nineteen, I think they can go to the tournament. We're like, can they be the, one of the best sixty-eight teams in college basketball, or is Ohio How- State going go to get to the playoffs? But you think? But so if you picked them to win eighteen games, where did you actually pick them to finish in the Big Ten? Was I, it 10th I, or 11th? I, in a preseason poll when I voted, I think I picked them to finish 10th, and but then I like changed my mind when I actually did sat down and did my season prediction. So moved them up. Moved well. I had them at eight. I had them at eight Big Ten wins last year. They had seven, and they were 10th in the Big Ten. So you can still win eight and still be 10th in the Big Ten. Um, and I think if you're 10th in the Big Ten, you're not making the tournament. But right. I think if you win 19 games overall and win nine games in the Big Ten, then you're talking tournament, depending on your wins. And from what you've seen through two games so far. You are – they're better than you thought, what you thought, or worse than you thought? About what I thought, um, they're going to turn the ball over a lot and I think lose big sometimes because of that. I also think Kata Bates the up like might average 20 and 10 this year. So if that's going to happen, I think they have a pretty good shot at sneaking in. Can, shoot, can they shoot? No. Well, how many of those turnovers do you think are just, you know, those guys getting adjusted to a new system and playing it at game speed for the first couple times? Uh, I think it's all they don't have a point guard. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. I, I th- that to me is almost like a, that's like a scratching records, stop the presses kind of problem of like, yeah. hey, when your starting point guard is out of the game, you don't have anybody to handle the ball. Yeah. Okay, that wasn't a good question. I would say football. You would say football too. Or, or yeah, you, now you make me feel like an idiot. So yeah, we'll, we'll say football. No, 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 no. It's okay to be excited about basketball. It's, okay. It's okay. But yeah, I would say football. Okay, uh, final question. And someone asked us a really good quarterback, future quarterback question, but if I asked it, we would talk for another 45 minutes. We are going to do a future quarterback podcast and dedicate the whole podcast to it. We'll probably do it in the middle of December because even if they're in the playoff, I don't think we need to do a month of playoff podcasts. Right. So we will do a Dwayne Haskins, Tate Martell, Emory Jones, future of the quarterback position only. We'll do an hour and a half on it. In December for your holiday present. Okay, then we'll wrap up on this question from Keith Williams the second. Will Illinois score any points in Ohio State? Also, do you think Ohio State could score eighty this weekend? Hashtag angry Buckeyes. What is the score? What is the official score of a game that is forfeited? I don't know. It would be be one nothing. If your university drops football (laughs) before Saturday, what would the score of that be? I don't know the answer. Because that I would I might take Illinois with the points based on that. Because I think it might be two nothing is the official look, forfeit score. I'm I'd be in the camp where I think Ohio State is more likely to score eighty than I think Illinois getting shut out. To me, I think I think it is two nothing. 
I think Ohio, okay. Illinois, you know, I know we've joked about it. They'll keep they get they'll keep those young guys in for the entire game, and I think Ohio State will by the time the margin gets comfortable enough, everyone will have third got third teamer guys in. He'll get any seniors who haven't really played ever in the game at some point, maybe one or two plays since it's the last game in the shoe. I kind of feel like at some point Illinois will get something. And I also don't know, I think this defense is still, I don't know if undisciplined is the right word, but like I think their upside is very good, but I think they still have a downside that they make screwball plays sometimes and let guys pop stuff that yeah. I, that I don't I don't know if they have a shutout in them. And I I know they've they have a shutout this year, don't they? Uh, Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers was a shutout. So I I know I don't know even as bad as Illinois is again assuming Illinois fields a team Saturday as bad as they are I still feel like Ohio State's just too capable of giving up like a forty seven yard pass to the tight end that oh there goes the shutout even if the guy doesn't score now they're down at the nineteen yard line and they kick a field goal or something Nick Bosa said they were going to shut UNLV out and they didn't do that yeah they gave it like twenty points yeah, we talk about discipline I'll have this. It's in your, give me my nuggets for Wednesday that I'm talking about Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield. They had had one combined pass interference penalty since the bye week. Sheffield had two defensive penalties on the same drive versus UNLV. So I I think there is merit to maybe they're getting a little better discipline. They only they didn't get penalized nearly as much as they did against Iowa. The penalties went down a lot against Michigan State. I can ex, I can imagine they'll probably be up a little bit because as much as Urban Meyer is talking about you know we're focused on Illinois. We're focused on Illinois. There's still going to be those one or two penalty, those couple bonehead penalties that they make, just because you know it's something they've done most of the season. I think. Yeah, it is a little bit part of who they are. So Illinois has a uh, quarterback. His name doesn't matter, but he's a runner. Um, I feel like when teams do that, that guy often runs for a 70-yard touchdown when Ohio State's up 60 to nothing. But is his name? Yeah. But is his name Zane or Diamond? I wish. Um, no, Illinois is 105th in the country in rushing defense. It's supposed to rain a lot. Um, Ohio State doesn't have to throw the ball and they can still score 60. So I don't think they're going to score 80, though. And I think Illinois will score. Again, if they operating yes. under the assumption that they continue to field a football team. Yeah. Um, who, let's, we'll end with this. Who will be the head coach of Illinois next year? Ooh. Not Ken Niamatololo. Not? Okay. I was going to say Niamatololo. He's nah, the he's dream. Smart. He's smarter than that. Well, it, you think he's going to pass up that Big Ten money? I think uh, he's just not going to leave Navy. I think if he wanted to leave Navy, he would have left already. Yeah. Lane Kiffin. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay, I'm in for that. I, I think he's more likely to get Lamar Jackson to come to Florida Atlantic than he is to go to Illinois next season. I think he's more likely to get that FIU program torched by the NCAA before next year. <laughs> um, all right, so that's Buckeye Talk. You guys can follow us on Twitter at BillLandis25, at Tim Bielek, at Doug Maurice. You can subscribe on iTunes, uh, elsewhere that you find the finest, finest, and sometimes mediocre podcasts. Um Illinois this week, Michigan next week, then uh, the Big Ten title game. They don't lock up completely the Big Ten East and a spot in the title game with the win against Illinois, but it would be very likely. Yeah. yeah. Like there's some tiebreakers involved where they still could somehow – basically it would involve Penn State and Michigan State losing some games so that 
the tie at the top of the Big Ten East would only be Michigan and Ohio State if Michigan would beat Ohio State. But also, I think, actually, if they beat Illinois and Michigan, Michigan loses, loses to Wisconsin, do they clinch it? They might. I think that is, yeah, because everyone else has two Big Ten losses. Yeah, already, and, Ohio and Ohio State would finish with two losses and have all the tiebreakers because right. Michigan would have three Big Ten losses. So, yeah, so if they win and Michigan loses, Ohio State's going to the Big Ten Championship. Woo! Um, and then again, that would render the Ohio State-Michigan game meaningless. meaningless. We won't cover it. No. We won't cover it. Uh, they'll rest their stutters. Yeah. We're kidding. Okay, so thanks for listening. Um, read our stories at cleveland.com slash OSU. You can always send us questions on Twitter. We'll get to as many as we can. Uh, again, no meet and greet because um, we're afraid of the rain on Saturday, but we'll do something in December um, to come hang out with you guys if anybody wants to hang out. So for Bill Landis and Tim Bielek, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>